We're going to turn to God's Word now, and we're going to read from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and reading from verse 17 down to verse uh, 26, and that will appear on the screen before you. I apologize that the other two screens aren't working. Uh, we've had some technical uh, difficulties this morning. Uh, these things are great when they work, but when they don't, they're a real frustration. And so it'll be on the screen before you, uh, or you can find it in the Pew Bibles as well, uh, and that's on page 860. Um, of the, the 861, sorry, of the, the Pew Bibles, and that's Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, reading from verse 17 down to verse 26, and we're thinking this morning about our, our greatest need. What is our, our greatest need, um, and um, what do we, we find in God's Word about that this, this morning? So let's, let's read God's Word together. Luke 5, verse 17 to verse 26. On one of those days as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to you? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of his holy word this morning. This morning we, we come to church, each one of us as, as individuals, and we come on different levels of, of knowledge, different understandings of, of church, different expectations, even different experiences of, of church as well, different thoughts about faith, and maybe some of us have different feelings towards the church as well. Maybe actually this morning it took everything we had for us to, to come here, maybe we didn't want to come that someone had been asking, or maybe you would say they'd been nagging you to come this morning, and you can't believe that you're sitting here this morning. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I can't believe I'm here, and I hope this guy doesn't go on for, for too long this morning. I've got the football to get to this afternoon. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and I want you to know that you have been prayed for this morning. And even though I didn't know you were coming, God did. And he is glad that you are here in his presence this morning. In this passage that we've just read, Luke doesn't tell us where this house is situated. But Mark, in his gospel, tells us that the house that we, we read of with this um, crowded uh, gathering, listening to Jesus, where this um, paralyzed man is carried to, is in a place called Capernaum. And Jesus, while he's here, is teaching in this house. And he uh, had become so well known 
fame of, of Jesus had begun to spread uh, and word of, of who he was and what he was doing, more to the point, and, and, and what he was saying um, that was taking people by amazement had spread, and, and, and so much so that, that there was now a, a fame that had, that had arisen that whenever Jesus was present, crowds just flocked to be near him. So much so that the distance between Capernaum and Judea um, just to give you a wee insight, if you were to walk, which most of the people would, maybe, maybe they would have taken a, a donkey or something like that, but most people would have walked. It was a 37-hour walk one way. Such was the desire to be near to Jesus. People had gathered from Judea to come and listen, and to listen to, sorry, Jerusalem, to listen to, to him. It was a 37-mile walk one way from Jerusalem to Cap, Cap, uh, Capernaum. That is a long way to go. Uh, and they went, though, wanting probably different things, different expectations. Some had gathered just to, to hear what, 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 what this man would say. Some had gathered because they had needs. Others had gathered because they'd seen him already. Others gathered because they loved him and they just wanted to, to be with him. Each one of them who was there, very much like us, came with different sets of expectations and, and needs and, and wants and understandings as well. And as Jesus is sitting in a house that most likely belonged to Simon Peter, um, as Jesus is sitting most likely in Simon Peter's house in Cap uh, Capernaum, part of the audience was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, in case you don't know um, much about the Bible, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were like the, the religious elite of the day, and they despised Jesus. So much so that actually it is ultimately um, them that hands them, him, Jesus over to, to Pilate to be crucified because of blasphemy. They, they detested Jesus. But yet we still find them sitting here listening um, and learning from what Jesus was saying. And just as an aside, um, do we see what, what Luke tells us about as Jesus is sitting there at the end of verse 17, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal? Uh, just as in a, a very, very quick aside for us, that the power of the Lord is, is, is also another way to say that is the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus. And actually, as the church, friends, this is where our, our power needs to come from. We don't do things in our own strength, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit to be on us and move through us to equip us and enable us to do all that Christ Jesus has called us to do. And while this teaching session is going on in this house in Capernaum, there is another scene that is unfolding, which is about to enter into the narrative. So Jesus is sitting there in this house teaching, um, teaching this crowd. The house is absolutely jam-packed full of, of people. And whilst this is going on, we read off there are four friends who are carrying their friend to Jesus on a mat because he was paralyzed. Try and imagine the scene. These four friends, they, they obviously go, and I don't know if the four friends ask the paralyzed friend to come or the paralyzed friend phones his four friends. I know they didn't have phones there, but you know what I mean. They call him over and say, will you please carry me? But regardless of who asked who, what we have is four friends lifting up this paralyzed man on a mat to bring him before Jesus. 
again, see in these times, I mean, it's hard at any time, I can only imagine, to be paralyzed and not be able to, to walk or to move. But could you imagine what it would have been like thousands of years ago when there's no disability help or wheelchairs, you know, just things that, that we see that are, that, that are such a benefit and blessing to people who, who aren't able to walk nowadays. This chap didn't have those things. He solely depended upon his four friends to carry him. They'd obviously heard about who this Jesus was and maybe the other guys in the house, the other people who are in the scene, jam-packed into this house, they've gathered to, to, to learn and to get some head knowledge or heart knowledge. I don't know. Maybe some of them are going to ask Jesus to lay hands on and, and pray. I, I don't know what their intentions were, but we see what the intentions of these five individuals were, the four friends and the paralyzed man. The desire is that this paralyzed man is brought before Jesus because he can't walk. The fame of Jesus was spreading. Word of what Jesus was doing was, was spreading. And friends, that is, that is my prayer. That is the, the, the hope that we have for Sandy Hills Church, that, that the, the, the word of what Jesus is doing in our lives, that it begins to seep out into our community. That actually, that, that, that come and hear a story that was on the invitation card that, that will change your life. And so many of us can testify to that. We know the difference that it, it is being in God's house and being in God's presence and, and coming before a, a, a loving and gracious God. And friends, that shouldn't just be ours to keep to ourselves. We were to share that and, and, and pray that, that that spreads out. The stories of Jesus' fame was beginning to spread in Jesus' day. The testimonies of the transformation that Jesus was bringing to, to people's lives was, was now spreading out. That, that, that Jesus had healed lepers. People who had leprosy were healed when Jesus touched them. That people who were down with fevers were, were raised again. Such is the power of, of Jesus. And such was the power of Jesus that even those who were demon-possessed were, were rid of demons. And these four friends are thinking, maybe, just maybe, if we can get this poor chap close enough to Jesus, that actually Jesus will make a difference in his life too. There are times when we need to carry those we love and be there for them. This world is becoming far too individualistic. There are times where we really need to press in and support those around us who can't get there by themselves. Proverbs tells us that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Thank God for good friends. Thank God for good friends who support us, who carry us, who pray for us, who bring us near to Jesus when we can't even do it ourselves. And please, God, let us be friends like these four individuals who put aside their own time of the day just so they can carry their paralyzed friend close to Jesus. Philippians 2 tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conduct. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That is exactly what we see here with these four friends who are carrying their, their, their pal on a mat. They carry him. Why? Because they love him. 
because they know that if I can get this, our friend close to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, Jesus will make a difference in his life. This is so countercultural. This is so opposite to the way the world thinks. Most people nowadays, probably like we have here, they would flock just to be first in line for themselves. I need to get there. I need to be close enough to Jesus. I need to be at this thing or that thing. And, and we forget and we miss the people that can't get there by themselves. Let us not be in too much of a hurry that actually our eyes miss those who are around us. Help us not to be selfish, Lord, but be humble and value others above ourselves. But what we see when they get there, these four friends, they've carried their pal on a mat. And when they get to the house, the house is full. They can't, they can't get in. They can't get him near to Jesus. So what do they do? What, what, what would you do? What would you do in that moment as you get there? They, they, they can't get him to Jesus. They, they can't get... Their poor friend, this is the reason they've come. He's on a mat. They've carried him. Who knows how long they've carried him. And they get to the house and the house is full. I know I would be so frustrated by that. They've taken their time to carry their friend. But they can't get in. And actually, friends, maybe sometimes... And long gone are the days where the church is too full that people can't physically get in. But maybe the church is too full of stuff that actually people can't get close to Jesus. And we never, never should underestimate the role that we have to play in bringing people before Jesus. That's what we see with these four friends. Never underestimate the role that you have to play in bringing people before Jesus. And that isn't just a physical thing. Absolutely wonderful to see people bring people along to church this morning as, they, as you sit under the gospel this morning together. But actually, it's not just a physical thing. But in prayer, we're called to bring before God Almighty those that the Lord places on our hearts and to pray for them and bring them before the throne room of grace and ask God to intervene through the power of His Spirit in whatever situation is going on on. And like I said, too many churches are like that house. They're hard to get into. We can't get into them. And that's not because there's too many people in them. But often what we find is there's no room for those in need. And see what happened when they turned up. The house is jam-packed. There's, there's no room for them. In verse 19, we read that. But does that deter them? No. If anything, it actually um, pushes, puts, uh, puts in more of a, an emphasis and, and a desire for them to get him before Jesus. They know how great the need of their friend is. We've come all this way, we've carried him all this way, and his need is great. But more importantly, regardless of how great this guy's need was, they knew the power of the one who they're trying to bring their friend before so rather, friends, than us focusing on how great our needs are, maybe we need to have a change in perspective and begin to focus on how powerful the one that we come before is. That is why they push and they push. That is why they are so determined to get this guy before Jesus. His need didn't get any greater. He'd lived with it all his life. But they knew this day, in this moment, there was a chance. Why? Because Jesus was present. 
Such was the power of the one they were going to bring Jesus before. No matter how great your need is or how hopeless your situation seems, I promise you there is one greater, and his name is Jesus. The friend always had that problem. His issue had always been. So what was different now? Well, the one who could make the difference was near. And I wonder if I was to ask you this morning, what is your greatest need? What would you say? What would your response be? What is your greatest need? If I was to ask you, if you could ask Jesus for one thing this morning, what would you ask for? For this is why they've brought their friend before Jesus. He has a need. He's been paralyzed. They carry him on this mat. And their prayer is that Jesus will make a difference in his life. The house is full. But they don't let, them put, they, they don't let that put them off. They find another way. They don't go, ah, well, do you know what we tried? And sorry, we're just going to have to carry on all the rest of your days paralyzed. We've tried our best. We've carried you all this way. Let's go home. And friends, so often disappointment steals what God has because it replaces faith. These guys aren't filled with disappointment. Actually, what Jesus says in verse 20, he says, when he saw their faith. This was a faith action. This was a faith thing. They trusted. They put their belief in action. And what they do is they go up on the roof and they start digging. Roofs in those days were flat. Often people would go up and they would use the, the roof as an extra kind of floor space to maybe hang or dry washing or, you know, put hay and straw or a variety of different things. It was a flat roof that, that, that they had in those days. So up they go up the stairs, they would go, and they began to dig through the roof. They dig and they dig. They rip the, the, the clay apart. They rip the tiles apart. They pull the straw. They, they, they pull that roof to pieces. Can you sense their desperation? They needed to get to Jesus because he was the only one who could make the difference. And just stop there. Can you imagine being there in the middle of this sermon as Jesus, let, let, let's go back to the other part of the scene where Jesus is sitting in the house and, and he's, he's teaching all these people and, and they are none the wiser as to what's happening outside. And all of a sudden, some dust starts to float down from the roof and you can imagine someone touching their head. If it was me, I'd think it was a spider or something like that. And I'd have a look around. And then all of a sudden, there's more dust coming down and then a bit of clay, some of the tiles. And then they'd see light beginning to peer through the roof. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Imagine this morning we're sitting here and people started digging through the roof. And what I love is that Simon Peter, who most probably this house belonged to, we don't see him moaning in these verses. He doesn't shout up, shout up and go, guys, stop, we'll, we'll, we'll create a space for you to come through. He doesn't moan, he just allows it to happen. Friends, see, when we give Jesus the freedom of our lives, when we give Jesus the freedom of our church, when we give Jesus the freedom of our house, it can shake things up. And I know some of us who have begun to start coming to church that actually we've become getting involved in, in, in faith and, and, and Jesus, maybe we're praying more and, and reading our Bibles more and attending church more, and actually it's began to shake up our lives. 
That's what happens when we ask Jesus in. It begins to shake up our lives. And that's what's happening here so much so. What, has happened, what happens when Simon Peter gives Jesus his house? He gets a hole in his roof. Friends, we are seeking as a church to give more and more space to, give to Jesus. We want Jesus to be the center, to be the one that this place is all about. We want him to be the reason. We want him to be the one that is exalted, the one that is lifted high, the one who has his way in this place. And maybe we're beginning to see a hole being dug in our roof. But if that means that people are going to encounter the power of Jesus and his kingdom, then let it be so. May we never be a stumbling block to people coming to meet Jesus. May we never let this place be so jam-packed with stuffy tradition and religion and church politics that it prohibits and it stops and it deters people from coming for an encounter with Jesus. This place is all about Jesus. And as this paralyzed man is lowered and lays before Jesus, can you imagine every eye would have been on him? He's been lowered down in the, mid, in the middle of Jesus' sermon. He's been lowered down from the roof. Now again, I don't think there's anything new under the sun. I think you'll have all the same types of people in this house in Capernaum that you would in a normal church gathering. There'll be those that go, yes, I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do. Here we go, buckle up, Jesus is going to do something. This is amazing. There'll be those that go, Oh, I've got dust on my new shoes now. You know, there's not, there's not, there'll be a variety, a spectrum of different re- responses to what's happening here, and every eye is upon him, but the only response that matters is the one from Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Man, your sins are forgiven. You what? What did he just say? Can you imagine these guys who've been digging in the roof? I don't know if they had tools or whatever. Their hands are probably bleeding and, and, and sore after ripping a roof apart. What did he just say? His sins are forgiven? We didn't bring him here for confession. We've brought him here because this guy can't walk. That's the need he has. Surely everyone can see that. This guy's been paralyzed all his days. We've had to carry him here. And you've said that his sins are forgiven. It's healing that this guy needs. And I asked you a few moments ago what your greatest need in life was. And I don't know what came to your mind. Maybe it was something to do with your health. Maybe it was something to do with your marriage, your family, your partner, your children, your work, your job, your finances, anxiety, mental health. I I don't know. God knows, but I I don't know what came to your mind when I asked you, that question. But we see from our passage this morning is that what these friends thought was their paralyzed friend greatest need was, was that he couldn't walk. But that wasn't what Jesus dealt with, well, not at the beginning anyway. As a teen, I remember hearing about this heavenly father in church who who loved me and who would never let me go and would never let me down and would always be there for me. And I thought to myself, I, I, need, I need him. As a teenager, about 14, 15, I knew that I needed that person in my life. 
For those of you who don't know me or, or know my story, my, my dad was an alcoholic and he passed away just over a year ago. And in the end of his life, he had come to know Jesus, which I praise the Lord for. Many, many years of prayer, many, many tears that were shed in prayer. But he came to know the Lord before he passed away. But while I was growing up, all I knew from him was hurt. So all, all the only kind of overriding response that I had from him was, was hurt and disappointment, frustration, constant letdowns, not turning up when he should, turning up drunk when he shouldn't, a variety of different things, and it just caused so much hurt, so much anger, so much bitterness in my life. Heartache upon heartache upon heartache. This is my dad. This is the person that's meant to protect me and provide for me and love me and, and support me and be there for me. And if anything, it was roles reversed. It was the other way around in life. I remember crying with my brother one night, pleading with my, our dad to stop drinking and asking him, do you love us? Because your actions, they don't show it. Do you love us? Because it didn't look like it. So then to hear in church about this heavenly father who never lets his children down, who is always there, who always provides, who always supports, who is perfect in every single way. For me, it sounded too good to be true. But I knew the hurt, I knew the disappointment, and I knew the heartache of what my earthly father had done. I thought, I need that in my life. And what I've come to find some 15, 16 years later of following after Jesus, everything I've read in the Bible and everything I heard about that heavenly father is true. He's always there. He never lets us down, and he never lets us go. And I thought that what my greatest need in my life was the healing of a broken heart because of a, an earthly father. I thought that was the greatest need I had was that, that the, 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 this heavenly father would replace an earthly father and, and undo all the, the, the hurt and bitterness that, that he caused in my life. And plenty of other things as well. But my greatest need was to be forgiven. That was my greatest need which I found fulfilled in Christ. And God, in his great mercy and his amazing grace, he's dealt with all that other stuff, all that hurt, all that brokenness, all that pain, all that rejection. Because he loves me and, and he loves you and he deals with those things that we have thought of initially in our own hearts and our own minds. But friends, our greatest need is that we need saving. That is our greatest need that we need to know the gift of salvation. That's why Jesus came. He came to deal with the problem of sin and in his great and amazing and powerful love because he cares for us and because he wants us to be whole again. When we come to him in faith and he forgives us for our sins, yes, he deals with all that other stuff that is there. But I didn't just need a replacement of an earthly father. I needed a savior. That is still my greatest need. And in Christ Jesus, that need has been met. For sin has alienated us from God the Father. And because of sin, as Becca was speaking about earlier on, with all that consequences and dif difficult things that we have to go through in this life. 
the enemy. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what sin does. Sin steals our joy and sin steals the, 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 the relationship that we're meant to enjoy with this perfect heavenly Father. Sin ruins that. And each one of us has been marred by sin, and sin kills, and sin destroys, and we know the effects, we see the consequences of sin in this world. But Jesus has come to give life, and life in all its fullness. And that life begins with the redemption that we find in Jesus alone, who also wants to bring life, and healing, and restoration to you, and whatever is going on in your life. And the religious elite of that day, they're annoyed that Jesus has said that. Who in the world does this guy think that he is? That's what we read. Who does this guy think he is who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? That is their response. They're sitting there enraged at what Jesus just said to this paralyzed man. But friends, Jesus is God. It is only God that can deal with sin. Jesus is God. That's why he came. And in Jesus, we're just about closing this morning. Jesus, in response to this question that's bubbled up in their hearts in anger and bitterness, Jesus asks them, why do you question? This is verse 22. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And it might sound like a bit of a complicated question, but in short, the reason he asks this question is to prove that not only does he have the power to make this man walk again, but he also has the authority to forgive sins. For they could now not disprove Jesus' power. This man who has just been lowered down on a mat before them paralyzed, stood up and walked home. Such is the power of Jesus. If Jesus had said, get up and walk, and the man had just continued to lay there, they would have been questioning his authority, questioning his power. But actually, by Jesus saying this, he, just, he demonstrates his power. And, and also, to say such a thing in the presence of the religious leaders was to risk your life. Because Jesus, as they've said here, who is this who speaks blasphemies? To blaspheme would, was punishable by death. Jesus, they're thinking, is risking his life by saying, your sins are forgiven. But here we close. Jesus didn't risk his life to forgive sins. He laid down his life to forgive sins. And this Jesus is still present today by his spirit. And he is still as powerful today as he was then meeting and fulfilling the needs of those who come to him in faith. We live in a world where so many people are searching for some sort of satisfaction in their life. They're searching for something, and maybe that's you. Maybe you've been searching, and you just, you don't know satisfaction in your life. You just, you're so unhappy. You're so unsatisfied. You've tried this. You've tried that. You've bought this. You've bought that. You've been on this holiday. You've been on that holiday, but yet there is a hole in your life that you can't fill. So many of us search for an experience to satisfy this life. But friends, it isn't an experience we need. It is an encounter with the risen Lord. And may you encounter this Jesus. And when you do, he will give you life and life in all its fullness.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that you deal with our greatest need in the person of Jesus through his death and resurrection. We thank you that you are a good and perfect Savior. We thank you that even though we were distant, that you in your love came to where we were. We thank you, Lord, that you show your power in our life by by healing us and restoring us. And Lord, we pray this morning that if there is a pain in our life, if there is something that is weighing heavy upon us, Lord, if there is a, a disappointment or there's a rejection or there is a label that's been placed on us or there's words that have been spoken against us that have caused hurt or there is a breakdown in a relationship, a marriage or a, a, a children and, and parent relationship, Lord, or whatever is going on, Lord, if there's a fear or there's an anxiety, Lord, you see what is going on in our lives in this very moment moment and you love us and we come to you Jesus because we know that you can make all the difference in our life help us to not be filled with disappointment or fear but help us to be a people who step forward in faith to lay hold of you Jesus for you can make the difference in our lives be with us we pray for we ask these things in your precious name amen